Good day to you. This is Pastor Greg Proctor of Victory Worship Center with our podcast, Don't Miss Out. Today's thought is having humility where we'll be able to procure the promises of God. See, the Word of God, the Bible that you have on your shelf, the Bible that you're writing on the table of your heart, it is full of promises, promise after promise after promise. But to be able to receive those promises, you and I, we have to learn how to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. We have to be able to see that He has a promise for us, but He expects us to react to that promise with obedience, with diligence, in faith, to be able to receive that. And so in the Gospel of John chapter 15, the Lord goes into great details of how he wants to prune his children. He talks about him being the true vine and you and I being the branches. And the Word of God is how we are made clean, how, uh, from the Greek, how we are pruned, how we are purged. And he wants us to be able to bear uh, not just a little bit of fruit, but much fruit, and he wants our fruit to remain. See, when we hear words, we either come in agreement with them or we come in a disagreement with them. And we bear fruit either by the word of the Lord or by the word of the world, the devil. And that reality is that when we hear something or we see something, our agreeing with it uh, will produce that or reproduce that in our own life. Or if we disagree, then we put ourselves in a place, if it's something negative, uh, of protection. But if we can get into that place of being purged by the Word of God, uh, then it requires you and I to get to a place of humility. And if we're in a place of humility, if we have humility working active in our lives, then we will be able to procure His promises. And that's what we want. Because as I said just a moment ago, the reality is each day we make decisions consciously or not. And we come in agreement with someone or some thought. See, if the devil walked up to you right now and he had a contract in his hand as a Christian, as a blood-bought, blood-washed believer, you wouldn't even read it, let alone sign his contract. Yet, the devil is a great deceiver. He comes uh, as even the serpent in the garden, the most subtle beast of the field, the scripture tells us. And he comes as this deceiver. And the way that he comes as a deceiver a lot of times is he comes to you and I in the sound of our very own voice. Why does he do that? Because he wants to get our signature on his contract. In other words, he wants us to come in agreement with the thoughts that he's bringing across our mind. He wants us to be in the place where we recognize and realize that uh, things are in accordance, in agreement with what he is subtly bringing to us. See, the enemy knows that blessing or cursing is in the child of God's mouth. I can either bless my life or I can curse my life. When we speak, you and I, we become the prophet of our very own life. The words that we speak, the words that we come in agreement with, those thoughts, they become a self-fulfilling prophecy. 
See, the devil has a method of operation. Number one, you experience a true trial in your life. Whatever it is, it's it's a difficult situation. It's upsetting in your life. Uh, maybe you've been praying about certain things and you're praying the word of God. And as you pray the word of God, all of a sudden your life gets turned upside down. Things actually get worse instead of getting better. That's a trial. That, that's something that he's trying to work in your life. He's trying to get you to come in agreement with that thought. Well, I need to quit. I need to give up because uh, God hears other people's prayers and he blesses them, but he doesn't hear mine. Or, or maybe someone that you placed a lot of trust in, a lot of confidence in, someone that you uh, esteemed very highly, they let you down. And so he uses that situation, that circumstance to, to put you in a true trial. And then secondly, in his method of operation, the second stage, he'll come and he'll whisper his words to you. And those words, they seem to explain or uh, make you understand exactly how you're feeling, what you're feeling. You know, he'll come to you with the thought, this is the worst day ever. Could this day get any worse? Could this day last any longer? All of these things. Uh, God doesn't care uh, about my situation. He doesn't care about me. He doesn't care about what I'm going through. Uh, nobody is listening to me. Nobody understands me. All of these things. And so you and I, we've got to learn how to either accept the thought that is coming across our mind, if it's in and of a promise of the Lord, or if it's a deception of the devil, we need to reject it. We've got to learn how to choose wisely. Every situation, every feeling, every thought, we've got to bring it through the lens of the Word of God, the life giver, Jesus Christ himself. And if it doesn't match Jesus, if it doesn't match the living Word, then we have to do what 2 Corinthians uh, 10, 3 through 5 tells us. We've got to learn how to cast down these vain imaginations. But let's talk about this agreement just a little bit more. If you would, open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18, and let's pick it up in verse 18. Uh, the King James says, out of the mouth of Jesus, Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. What a promise. See, you and I, we can come in agreement uh, and we can agree for our Father's will to be done. The, the very prayer that Jesus laid out, that pa pattern, if you would, of prayer in, in the Gospel of Matthew, in the Sermon on the Mount. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. Uh, we we want to come in agreement. So what uh, God wants to be bound here on earth, we want to exercise that authority, come in agreement with that promise and see it bound. Those things that the our Father wants to see loosed on the earth in and through our lives, uh, that we want to come in agreement and procure that promise and let that be loosed in our life. Look what he says in verse 19, Matthew 18, 19. Again, I say unto you that if two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father, which is in heaven. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. Now, what a promise. 
So you and I, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Godhead abides and lives within the believer. So when we come together, uh, we can be in that place where we can agree with the Word of God uh, here on earth and, and, and what we're agreeing with the Father, it's going to be done. It's not about what you have to do or what I have to do. We can do nothing. All we do is simply place our faith in the promise of our Father. We place our faith and we come in agreement with that and it comes to pass. Now, uh, let's talk about these promises just a little bit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 20, let me read that to you in the Amplified. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 20, for as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes, answer, in him, in Christ. For this reason, we also utter the amen, so be it, to God through him, in his person, and by his agency, to the glory of God. In other words, God has a promise for everyone in every situation of life. And if we will have humility, if we'll humble ourselves and draw near to him, when we come in agreement with his promises, and in other words, we see that uh, God has done, gave us his word, his word is his will. And when we see that he's saying yes to this promise, this provision, this plan in and for your life, then we say, amen. We say, so be it, Father. Then we are prophesying what God has promised us. We come in an agreement and we procure that promise. It becomes ours. But we've got to see that the devil wants to work in and through our lives to steal, kill, and destroy that away from us. Turn with me to the epistle of James, if you would. Uh, in James chapter 4, uh, starting at verse number 5, look what the Word of God says in the King James. Do you think that the Scripture saith in vain, the spirit that dwelleth in us lusteth to envy? Question. Verse 6. But he, God the Father, he gives more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth, he opposes the proud. But he giveth grace unto the humble. Verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Verse 9, be afflicted. Uh, realize your own misery, if you would, from the Greek. Be afflicted, realize your own misery, and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned into mourning, and your joy into heaviness. Verse 10, humble yourselves in, in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. And that's something. When we humble ourselves rather than in exalting ourselves, we have this promise. We have this promise that God himself will lift us up. See, Jesus made this statement about himself in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, verse about 32 or so. He said in the last part of the verse, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men unto me. Jesus is the word. Jesus is the promise. So when we lift up Jesus by humbling our, ourselves the way we feel, the way we see situations and circumstances, then uh, that's when Jesus becomes exalted. When he becomes exalted above the problem, the trial, the lie that we're dealing with, then all of a sudden, the hand of God, our Father, he lifts us up. 
What a promise that is. See, God has something for you. He has something for me. And let me read to you uh, verses 6 and 10 in the Amplified. James 4 and 6 and then verse 10. But he gives more and more grace, the power of the Holy Spirit to meet this evil tendency and all others fully. This is why he says God sets himself against the proud and the haughty, but he gives grace continually to the lowly to those who are humble enough to receive it. Verse 10, humble yourselves, feeling very insignificant in the presence of the Lord, and he will exalt you. He will lift you up and make your lives significant. And that's something. That's what God has for you. That's what your father has for you. He wants you to see how important your life is. But humility is the key. The Lord has a word. He has a promise that will change our situation, but he must first gauge our soul. See, we have to look at our mind, will, and our emotions, our soul, in according to the word of God. And then uh, if we gauge our soul, we can be changed. If not, we'll end up right back in the same situation. And God doesn't want that. that he wants our lives to be better. So let's decree right now to the Lord. Lord, I receive your promises, not now for temporary relief, but forever resolve. Come on. In the name of Jesus, not for temporary relief, Father, I, but I receive your promises for a forever resolve. See, we don't want to put a Band-Aid on uh, for the rest of our life over and over and over we want to be healed. We want the Word of God to take care of our wounds and let the Word of God bring what only it can. See, Psalms 107.20, He sent His Word and healed us and delivered us from all of our destructions. That's what we want. Now, the reason why you and I can, can humble ourselves and the reason why we can uh, procure these great promises, listen to Hebrews 13.5 in the Amplified Classic. Hebrews 13.5, let your character or moral disposition be free from the love of money, including greed, erevus, lust, and craving for earthly possessions, and be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God himself, has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not, third time for emphasis, in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, relax my hold on you, assuredly not. Oh, hallelujah, what a promise. You and I, we can procure the promises of God. We can have humility in our life because God said he, would going to be, he was going to be with us. So when the devil says that, that uh, because we're going through this situation and circumstance, God doesn't know anything about it, God has left us, that's a lie. Jesus said that he was going to abide with us forever. That's your promise. That's my promise. So it isn't a matter of what we feel. It's a matter of our faith. It's a matter of trusting in who spoke that promise, that truth to us. We, so we've got to say amen to this yes promise. Look at Revelation 3.14. 
talking about Jesus being the Amen. Revelation 3.14 in the King James says, And unto the angel of the church of the Laodiceans write, These things saith the Amen. Highlight it. Mark it down in your mind's eye. Write it on the table of your heart. The faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. Jesus is the Amen. Note that. Mark that down. In other words, he's the one who executes all of God's word. So when we say uh, yes to the promises of God through Jesus, the one who has done said amen for us, and we come in agreement and we put our amen with Jesus, we're going to procure the promises because we're humble enough to believe the Lord. Isn't that something? When we come in agreement, there is always a harvest. I want to come in agreement with the Lord, don't you? With good, not evil. With positive, not negative. See, it's according to the seed we sow. Proverbs 11, 18 and 19 says, The wicked worketh a deceitful work, but to him that soweth righteousness shall be a sure reward. In other words, being the prophet of our own life, when we open our mouth, we have the self-fulfilling prophecy. We can sow the right things of God, the promises of God, and we're going to have a sure reward. Verse 19, As righteousness tendeth to life, so he that pursueth evil pursueth it to his own death. See, uh, the children of Israel, uh, they couldn't be cursed. Balak hard Balaam to curse them. He couldn't curse them. He had to get them to curse themselves. And so you and I, we've got to be very cautious about what we say, what we don't say. And, and, and we want to let the righteousness tend to our life. We want to have that sure reward. We want to sow the righteous things of God. So in, in working our way to a closing on this podcast, I want to look at three critical areas that is very important uh, in this point of time that we're living in with so much turmoil that is in the United States of America, that is in the world. Number one is love. Love. See, the devil wants to get us away from love. The Bible says that faith, 1 Corinthians 13, 13, faith, hope, and love. Uh, they're going to abide forever. Love is the greatest. Love is the greatest. Love is not what God does. Love is who God is. And the love of God never fails. The love of God uh, covers a multitude of sins. So right now there is a spirit of anger that is working in the earth and it's trying to turn into a, a spirit of malice, uh, a, a spirit of of hate to bring uh, destruction into people's lives. And so we need to be in the place where we don't accept these feelings, uh, these lies uh, of, of division, uh, of a working of hate in our lives. Matthew chapter 5, verse 22, in the King James, Jesus is teaching. He said, but I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause, shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. So we see how uh, the enemy works. He wants to cause us to, to be angry with one another. He wants to cause us to be in the place of judging one another where he can ultimately uh, bring that same judgment in and on our own life. 
See, 1 John 3.15 says, Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. So we need to see that. We need to understand that. So I need to be in the place where if, if I have an ought against my brother or my sister, if I have an ought against someone, I need to be in the place where I'm very cautious and I don't let my feelings uh, be controlled by what's coming up in my, my soul, my mind, will, and emotions. I need to procure the promises of God. What's the promises of God that would diffuse what the devil's trying to do in this particular situation? Romans 5.5 5 makes this promise to you and I, but we have to be humble enough to receive it. It's The Word of God says, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God, now concentrate on the last part of the verse, the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. This love of God is being shed abroad, being poured out in your heart, in your spirit, by the Holy Spirit. Now think about that. The, the very love that God is, that Rivers of living water that Jesus spoke of in John chapter 7, verses 37, 38, and 39. That is available to you, to me. So we need to be in the place and the position where we receive this promise. We humble ourselves and go, I'm going to put down what was said, what was done. I'm going to put that under the feet of Jesus. I'm going to have humility. And I'm going to procure the promise of God. I'm going to love even though I don't feel like it. I've got to understand that love is an action. Love is not a feeling. And this puts you in a place of success, a place of great victory in this day and age when we so much, see so much turmoil happening. Number two in the three critical areas that we need to come in agreement with the promises of God is peace. I've never seen a time in my life where there is so much turmoil, there's so much anxiety, there's an anxious spirit, there's a, 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 a spirit of fear and worry and all of these things. But I need to see what God said, what the promises are through his son, rather than letting anything else dominate me or tell me, what I should do or shouldn't do, where I should go or where I shouldn't go. John 14, verse 27, in the Amplified Classic, Jesus said, Peace I leave with you. Now he's talking to his disciples. He's talking to you and I. Peace I leave with you. My own peace I now give and bequeath to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Neither let them be afraid. Stop allowing yourselves to be agitated and disturbed, and do not permit yourselves to be fearful and intimidated and cowardly and unsettled. Now, if he tells you and I to do something, he gives us the power, the authority, the ability to be able to do it. And so what I have to do, I have to put down my feelings if they're contrary to the peace of God, and I need to have the humility in my life to procure this promise by saying, I believe what Jesus has done for me above what I'm feeling. See, Jesus has then been through every one of my sins because he took all of my sin upon himself on the cross. The Bible says that he is touched with the feeling of my infirmities. So he knows exactly what I'm feeling. And he was in all points tempted yet without sin. So he overcome, I can overcome. 
So I need to receive this promise. John 16, in the Amplified Classic, Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have perfect peace and confidence. In the world, you have tribulation and trials and distress and frustration. But be of good cheer. Take courage. Be confident, certain, undaunted. For I have overcome the world. I have deprived it, the world, of power to harm you and have conquered it for you. Oh, glory. That's what Jesus has done for us. I need to receive that truth. So when the devil comes against me through the world, through situations, I just stand up and I say, no, you don't. In the name of Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior has overcome the world. It has been deprived of its power to harm me. It has been conquered by my Lord and my Savior, Jesus the Christ. And then all of a sudden, because Isaiah 26, 3, the mind that is stayed upon the Lord, his word is kept in perfect peace. Peace swallows up everything else. What a promise. Thirdly and lastly, we need to trust. We need to trust the Lord. Matthew 12, 21 says, And in his name, the name of Jesus, shall the Gentiles trust. You and I, we need to know that we can trust in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can trust in the word of God. And as we place our trust in the word of God, these situations, these trials, these tribulations, these circumstances, these feelings that the devil is trying to manipulate, they fall by the wayside. See, Proverbs 3 and 5 and, and, and 6 in the King James says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not into thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. You and I, we have a promise here. If we'll place our trust in the Lord, in his word, with every part of our heart, then guess what? The enemy will have no place to put a, a, a word of fear, a word of anger, a word of anxiety, a word of doubt, whatever it might be. There will be no place in our heart to receive it because we're trusting in the Lord with all of our heart. We're not leaning to our own understanding. See, Jesus is your support because here, what this is saying from the Hebrew, when you and I trust in a word, that word is supporting us. It's holding us up. So I can either have the word of God, which will hold me up and take me to heaven, or I can have a word of the devil, which will hold me up and hinder me from coming into the full blessings of the Lord. So in all of my ways, I'm going to acknowledge the Lord. You're going to acknowledge the Lord. And we have this promise. He's going to direct our paths. Every day of your life, every day of my life, we're going to be directed in the Lord's will and his plan. What a promise. Let's have humility. Let's procure the promises of God. And in these last days, uh, as we see so many things happening uh, about the contrast of love and the contrast of peace and the contrast of trust, let's hold on to the word of God and let's let the Lord have his final say in our life. Father, in the name of Jesus, all of those who have took their time to hear this word, I ask that you would bless them. I ask that you would speak into their hearts, souls, and lives the words of life that will change them, that will build them up, that will encourage them like never before. The blessing that is on your word, because they're receiving your word, let that blessing come in their life in fullness right now. 
Thank you so much for your time. If we blessed you by helping get this word out to you, help bless us to continue to get this word out to others. Share this podcast with as many people as you possibly can. Give them this link. You are a blessing. You're blessed to be a blessing. And one of the ways that you can be a blessing is to carry the word that has blessed you and has ministered to you and to other people's lives. Remember, God's word, God's word will change your life.